0: Bonjour and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 116. This cast is always sponsored by our great sponsor, CoolStuffInc.com, who have partnered with us to give away free $25 gift cards with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% BIOS bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your magic the gathering needs. How are you guys doing today, Monsieur and Mademoiselle?
1: <laughs> i just i just want to know why you asked can i start the cast in french and all you said was hello
2: in french. that's and all then, i know how to say I, I was expecting like an actual like introduction or at least like a sentence not like hello continue in english
1: <laughs> that's yeah i was gonna say like that's that's not french and how, i don't how know how you guys do that well, I mean, I was doing fine, but now I'm more confused than I started the day, so I'm I'm okay. I've been better. Portland is great. The weather's nice.
2: There's no sales tax. Life is good.
1: It is hot as balls in Florida, so it's nothing good. Baltimore had horrible weather this weekend, but
0: there were a ton of cartel fans who said hi, so that was great.
2: Is the weather going to be terrible during October? For your wedding? Yes,
1: it's Florida. So uh, it should be cooler than it is now, but there's this science that proves that, you know, how rising temperatures is due to greenhouse gases that uh, humans add to the environment. So I was hoping it was going to be cool, but I have no idea. Uh, I'm hoping it'll be in like the low 70s or maybe high 60s in October, but I'm not. Yeah, I don't have my hopes up because uh, it is September 25th and it's like basically a month. It's a month and a day away from my wedding and it's still like 95 degrees. Outside. I remember last
0: year in November it was hot in Missouri, like 90 degrees. So I'm not too keen on what's going to happen in Florida this year.
1: What yeah, I'm hoping it's not the hot state. It's, it's definitely up there in like some bad states, but like I don't think it's the worst one you could live in like i don't think it's bottom 50. it's it's definitely not like top five but it's definitely not bottom 50.
0: bottom 50.
1: bottom 25 is what I okay
0: say. i mean i'm the one with the missouri education but uh i guess florida's a little worse on that regard i um, didn't
1: i didn't grow up in florida so I, yeah i can't i can't speak for its education
0: yeah uh i was talking with some vendors and people were like walking by and looking weirdly at me and then someone was like do you have a youtube channel and i was like yeah and they're like oh i watch your podcast i'm like that's cool and i was wearing our official merchandise and i they didn't notice that but they knew they knew my voice um and then i met up with a couple cartel fans in manhattan yesterday which was pretty fun so thanks for coming out guys we appreciate you um there wasn't any financially relevant stuff at Baltimore. All the vendors were not great. Like no one had to be super competitive because SEG cash prices aren't that high, but their trade-in prices are fine. Um, so yeah, it was pretty boring from the vendor side of things. I went six one on day one and then dropped. And I was playing Goblins and Legacy, so it was a blast. Uh that's my tournament report. So why did you go six one and then drop? I had a date that night and I didn't think I was gonna get that far in the tournament.
1: You didn't so, think you're gonna be able to beat six people?
0: No, I didn't think I was going to lose more than I thought I was gonna be like three and four by six PM, but I was six and one. And so I took a picture of me signing the match slip in round six with like twelve uh fifteen points under my name or whatever. And then like I also checked the drop box, which tilted my opponent because he asked if he could have the win, and I said no. So, yeah. Good times. You're a cool guy. Yep. Well, not as cool as our sponsor of CoolStuffInc.com. But uh, let's get into MTG Finance this week. We might as well. Um, what we're here
2: for? Yeah.
0: You guys want to talk about how Amazon is killing LGSs since we touched on it a bit last
1: week? No, I'd rather turn into an MTG Lifestyles podcast. Shout out to Money MoneyDrod. Ed, uh,
0: you want to get started? on uh $100 booster boxes through Amazon but supplied by Channel Fireball and like give our uh, listeners a breakdown of how this happened and what's been going on in the past week since this was announced.
2: Uh All right. Without falling in like huge detail, um so I to my understanding this was something that was always the case. Um I guess it was just a little bit more official now i guess for lack of a better way of putting it like if you follow um if you follow like channel firewall through amazon they actually sell a fair amount of stuff through amazon including singles um so the way i the way i'm looking at it and it's been this way for quite some time is whenever it says fulfilled by amazon all that means is that they have uh their sealed products uh through fba which is fulfillment by amazon um, for anyone who isn't familiar with this process, um, this is something anyone can do. Like You can do this yourself if you want. And basically what you do is you take – you have your account, for example. And let's say I wanted to sell like – I don't know. I don't even have anything in arm's reach that I would want to sell. Um, you basically just set up your account and you say like, hey, I want to sell these things. You enter it into um, – uh, if you go to, into like the business side of Amazon to account, there's a way you can basically log in. You basically just uh, fill in the process. You look up like the SKUs or whatever item you're trying to sell. And then uh, Amazon will basically just um, take whatever you're trying to sell. And then they'll divide up. They'll send it to different warehouses. Sometimes if you have like 20 different items or whatever, they'll allocate some number of like item A, some like the main of item A, et cetera. Just, and it'll just go to... Four, five, six—however many different warehouses—they tell you to, and then whenever they sell something, um, they will ship it out on on your behalf. Whenever someone orders, like you know, and a Dominator booster box, for example, if it's through Channel Fireball, um, Amazon will take care of the shipping process they, because they have your item already. They'll take care of the shipping, they'll pack it, they'll send it out, etc. Um, what you're responsible for is. Amazon will take a larger portion of your fees. So I imagine that on like a $90 booster box or like $95 or whatever, Amazon pro like FBA probably takes up, I would probably would say like close to 20% if you consider the fact that they um you have to ship you have to ship the items out. Uh obviously if you're shipping out a lot of booster boxes, it's it's gonna get pretty expensive. Um there's the there's a fee structure for Amazon itself. And they also charge you a storage fee and you actually pay shipping fee on the item once it sells as well. Um, uh, The upside of this is that there's no labor involved for you. Um, Everything will be sent like up to Amazon standards. Uh, Again, they take care of all the labor. It's stored in the warehouse, et cetera. Um, And this is probably what Channel Fireball does. It's something that they've done for quite some time. I imagine that like a lot of their surplus boxes just go straight to FBA. and uh, I'm a little confused why Wizard chose to make this public. I'm kind of confused to what front they're actually doing this. Because if we, if this, if we couple this with the fact that they stopped selling their product um, direct to uh, game stores, um, it's kind of interesting because it makes me wonder like if they just have surplus product that they're holding onto that doesn't go directly to... Distributors like GTS and Hobby, um, etc. But that being said, um, I do think this is a little rough. I think the fact that it was made public makes it a little bit harder. Um, I'm a little interested to find out like who is actually getting paid for this. Like if Wizards is is directly making the money and they're selling directly through Amazon, which is what the announcement made it sound like, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Since if it's fu- if it's sold by Channel Fireball and fulfilled by Amazon, that's not really anything different than what Channel Fireball has already been already been doing for quite some time. Um, that being said, I do think this is pretty. This is definitely a little rough on the local game stores. Um, I remember seeing a cast at one point. Um, I can't remember what the topic was, i what topic was about exactly. I think it was related something to competition among game stores and i had made some comment about how the your biggest competitor isn't like you know some like you know little little mom pop shop down the street or some like backpack dealer who's trying to buy collections and compete against you you're like your biggest competitors are going to be like walmart target amazon because those are the people that you can actually have some sort of influence over um Right Like if in theory, if your advertising is correct or your marketing is correct and you're able to actually capture that, you're going to be able to capitalize on sales to you know the grandmother who needs who wants like some stocking stuffers for her kids who want to buy like Pokemon packs or like like a magic um, like deck bearers toolkit to get her kids into magic or something because she overheard it. Um, she overheard her kids talking about it. Those are type of that's the type of customer you can actually capitalize on. Whereas like if you're worried about like the mom pop shop, if they're taking customers because their customers are closer and proxy wherever, you're you're never going to get those customers, anyways. And that's not the type of competition you should be focusing on. And here, like when we have Amazon, which is like one of the biggest like e-commerce channels out there, and this is the and Wizards openly announcing this, I think that's going to start drawing attention away because once you have, you know, like, Grandma Jill, who can just go on Amazon and just type in, like, Magic the Gathering box or something. Like, I have no doubt, like, you know, like, Guilds of Ravnica will be the first thing that pops up along with, um, you know, like, these, uh, the guild kits, um, whatever, like, new products are going to come out. Like, those are going to be, like, the very, very first things that pop up. And it's, and, like, those are the types of things that I would actually be concerned about when it comes to uh, this whole process of Wasi selling directly through Amazon. And that being said, I'm not, it's not very clear itself. Like what exactly is being sold through Amazon again, if it's just channel fireball using Amazon as an out for their surplus sealed product, that's not really different than what was going on before. If it's actually wizards benefiting from this, then I think there might be some problems for a lot of game stores, like a little further down the line, like probably like six months to a year.
0: And the other thing is Channel Fireball now has out of nowhere um, masterpiece guilds of Ravnica boxes that you don't have to buy through Hasbro to attempt to prevent a uh, price uh, increase for the European and Japanese customers who wouldn't be able to order this off of um, Hasbro's website. But if you look at like the Canadian price of what Canadians would specifically have to pay, it was like 500 Canadian for the box, which is just absolutely obscene. Um, so I don't know. It's just interesting that they're basically using this to help supplement CFB from losing too much money on the GP circuit, which is also odd because CFB most likely has the contract next year as well. I think it was through 2020 when they signed the original contract. That or Star City just doesn't want to pick it up.
1: No, so. I, think, I think I've think i heard the same thing. I think it's for two years. So th- this year is the first year. next year should be the second year. As far as I understand.
0: Yeah, and like technically there's a distinction legally between Channel Fireball events and Channel Fireball LLC or Incorporated or however they're emancipated in the state of California. Um, but... It's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens with Channel Fireball events next year. If like Wizards is actually giving them this as like an incentive for players to you know pay $300, 400 dollars for a ticket to go to an already expensive Grand Prix and buy an overpriced box internationally, or if it's like, um, hey Channel, uh, you can buy these at like a little more than what we what it costs to produce them, and like this will help subsidize the fact that no one's turning up for Grand Prixs like they used to. Relative to previous years. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. As far as the LGS thing goes, a lot of players are going to start switching to ordering online. You're always going to have the same players that buy the first week or pre order a box because they want the cards then or like they want to draft the first week it's out. But when you get like a 30 to 40% margin between what your LGS is charging and like what you can do to just wait a week for players that don't have that much money that's when it becomes more and more of a problem. And it's also that a lot of shops can't deal with only selling in brick and mortar and then their players just go and buy on TCG. Um, And like more and more players are getting into that as like MTG finance becomes a a more known quantity as well. Where players are like, well I could have it this week or I could just wait a week and you know. So it's interesting, but I'm seeing a lot of locals talk about it, which is fine by me because I sell online. But for a lot of shops, it's not going to be a good awakening for them.
2: What I'm a little like curious about uh, as this kind of progresses is, I wonder if this will actually deter um, game stores from just buying sealed sealed product entirely. As odd, as, 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 odd, as as odd as unlikely as that may sound, um, if we were looking at where game stores were like just two years ago, even it was still reasonably profitable or at least like somewhat of a sure bet that you could be opening up sealed products you know when you got it if the product came in on wednesday or something you could open up some small amount you could stock whatever you want inside your store just to keep your day ones happy and then you can just throw the rest online and then eventually we had masterpieces the introduction of those just made box cracking so um not profitable unless you were opening up A ridiculous amount to bounce out variants because if you're opening up like for example like uh if you're opening up like five cases for example that's 30 boxes which realistically isn't a lot in order for you to open up a full set of kaladesh for example you're needing i think the math broke out to a little bit more than a case to guarantee you one of each mythic which was which is obviously the limiting factor you obviously have plenty of rares etc but to get one of each mythic to account for variants, you probably need to open like close close to seven boxes, which is a little bit more than the case. So if you're opening five boxes, you're getting like maybe a playset of each mythic, at best, um, and we, that that's fine in itself. Except with masterpieces, it was bringing the value of the mythics down and the rares down so much because people are just trying to do the same thing. People are just wanting to crack boxes for masterpieces that a lot of, like especially the bad rares. Like there's a point in Kaladesh when you know it's it's kind of hard now because we because most of the rares have gone so cheap but there's a point when kaladesh rares like there's literally no rare that was even close to worth uh, the cost of the pack and it was basically like open up like one of the chase mythics like a like a torrential gear hall chandra etc or boss basically um because the value and ev of kaladesh was so heavily concentrated onto the masterpieces um and furthermore it was more it was more upweighed towards the like the top tier masterpieces. Like you want to be opening like a soul ring. Obviously that's the best one, but there were a lot of like real, real expensive ones and then you were and then you still had the risk of opening up like, you know, a combustible gear Hulk masterpiece or something, which is, you know, what probably one of the least exciting things, especially if you're opening only if your store is only opening up five cases and you're getting like maybe like ten masterpieces, you might get nine if you're if the print run is terrible or whatever. Um but it just made it really really hard and it, i think it got to a point not long after kaladesh uh which was like the second iteration uh, battle for Zendikar was first and we obviously remember like we all remember how bad the ev is uh on that set but like starting with Kaladesh, it seemed like a lot of stores just stopped opening up uh products for singles entirely they would just count on people buying their packs and selling cards back in to kind of stock on singles and Now I'm wondering, like, with this happening, um, especially with you know stores can't probably can't afford to have a ton of sealed product laying around. If people are just gonna stop uh, keeping seal product in their stores, they're only going to be selling them by the pack, um, because it, so, like packing out your boxes uh, makes you a lot more money. Even selling at like three for ten or something, if you sell if you sell packs at three for ten, uh, you're still netting was that 120 dollars a box? Is that right? Yeah, you're still getting 120 dollars a box which is much better than people trying to nickel and dime you and like saying like, Oh, I can buy this online for like, you know, $95 to my door or whatever. Now, uh, trying to sell your box for like 110 or something. It's just probably easier to pack it out. Um, that, that, that's just like a suspicion I might have. Um, it, it might take a few sets depending on how this Amazon thing plays out and how much stores are actually like how much, uh, how much of a decrease you actually see in box sales, but it's something to like. Be keeping in mind of like you know probably like one or two sets from now anything
1: to add jim um i don't think so um i just do have a question that i think maybe some some of our listeners might have the same question And do you think that it was net positive or net negative that they don't have masterpieces and booster packs anymore
2: uh I feel like that's not a really fair question. I think it was, there were multiple factors going on. I think the first factor was like, we were kind of going, coming off of the odd, like 18 month uh, set rotation, rather than like the two year set rotation that was going on. Like, especially with like Shadows and Astron between not having masterpieces, and then like Amaket not having masterpieces. Um, this is kind of like the first cycle that we see post that. Um, I think it was a little bit better, like, if we look at Ixlan and Rivals Ixlon, Ixlan... Okay
1: did um, have Masterpieces, it had the invocations.
2: That, that, that's right, that's right, I'm sorry. Um, that was the first full year that they had Masterpiece, and then Ixlan was the first full year that they did. Or the first full block cycle, rather. Um, I think Ixlan, like, if we look at Ixlan and we look at, like, Rivals, like, I would say, objectively, those are both the worst sets than, like, helldash block and um, Amoket block. Uh but the value is much higher, probably because people weren't going crazy cracking them. Um so you have like a much like flatter um kind of price range for all the cards. Like you don't have anything that's like a Chandra S card or torrential gear hulk S card that was like, you know, like twenty to forty dollars during its lifetime in standard. Whereas like your most expensive card in like exon is like Search Rescanta, Carnage Tyrant. Like those are two cards that stand out. You have like a few other cards like rascal's contempt is kind of a big one as well but like looking at donglair like most like you have a decent amount of cards are like at the price of a pack or slightly more but you don't have like a ton of bulk rares that like kaladesh block and like emma cat block had um so i think masterpieces are a little bit better for the price of the um the prices of the singles uh so from it might be better from a game store for that perspective but i think it's still like just very very difficult to be opening a product in mass um compared to like how it was like before the masterpiece before all the before like battle for zendikar we're talking like 2014 at this point uh that was like that was when it was like possible to open and now it just feels like even without masterpieces it's still pretty bad um, i do think masterpieces were a little bit better for the player experience But I think that's like kind of a different conversation entirely.
1: Right. So uh, I understand from the store perspective, masterpieces made it worse to bust booster boxes. But do do you think that the sales of just booster packs in general were higher because you could open masterpieces? Like I know a lot of magic players are pretty degenerate and they love to basically buy lottery tickets because that's what booster packs are. And the fact that you could open cards that were worth so much more than what a normal rare or mythic is worth in any set um, for three dollars a pack instead of the ten dollars a pack of a of a master set. Do you do you think that was net positive for the sales of sealed product? Yes,
0: casuals it, fuel so much of sealed product because spikes normally don't buy packs.
2: Yeah, I I think it, like it was one of those things where I think the novelty kind of wore off pretty fast, but it still made for like a great story like during a pre release or. You know, it's just Friday night when people are just, like, casually opening packs, and then, you know, every once in a while, someone opens up a na- masterpiece, and it's, it's a pretty good feeling. Um I think, like, that, like, kind of, that would that would naturally drive more sales, but I th- it feel like it did wear off after it was done for multiple blocks in a row. Like, Battle for Car, it felt pretty special. Um, They took a break, and then they resumed it with Kaladesh, and then it felt great. It, like, it kind of... The theme worked, and then Amicat just felt like it was starting to get overdone and forced at that point. And I think that was kind of the time when like master when the novelty of masterpieces started to wear off.
1: Great, so, uh, great summary there. So my I guess my last question is uh in your opinion or in your your what what would you like them to bring them back in the future, if just not as often? I think like randomly would probably be a little bit better um
2: and i think it has to like fit like slightly more thematically as well um like for example like it would have been great to have masterpiece um it would have been great to have like masterpiece like shock in the set if only shock right just make it like rare enough that like you know every once in a while people get like something that's like aesthetically cool and different it doesn't have to be overdone they don't need like you know we don't need reprints of for cards that would just like break limited in half, right? Like no one wanted to play Kaladesh and it's like, oh I lost the game because my opponent, like packed one picked one like sword of fire nice and, and his deck was insane, like regardless, right? Like that that leads to some feel bads. Right. But here I think it like it would be great for them to have those and maybe like the like the guild leaders as well. Just have like 10 masterpieces. Just make it look aesthetically pleasing. It it's like it'll be different enough that it's cool, but it doesn't need to like break limited in any way. It doesn't need to be like a huge cash grab. The masterpieces themselves don't even have to be insanely expensive. We don't need, like, you know, we don't need, uh, like, a masterpiece event that's like $120. Like, just make it look different enough. And because if there's fewer masterpieces, it would be more common. Whereas, like, you know, how like how how much keldus you need to open to get like to guarantee yourself a soul ring? You probably need to open up like a hundred cases or something insane to guarantee that you're getting a soul ring. And that's because that was you know, they had 30 masterpieces in Kaladesh. If there were less masterpieces, um, they like opening each individual one would be slightly more common, even if they were at the same rarity of like one every like three boxes or something. And it would make it so that people probably don't need to go crazy opening them, and the value on them wouldn't be as insane. So it would keep the prices on like the boxes and uh the singles themselves relatively stable. And I think like that's where I would like to see masterpieces, but like for example, the Shocklands—they can't do that. Why? Because we already have masterpiece Shocklands. They they killed it with Battle for Zendikar, right? If they had just kept the uh, uh, the Fetchlands of Battle for Zendikar at just like a few other like novel lands as well, like you know, like Core Haven or something that fits with the theme, great, reprint that card, right? But there's like no reason to like for them to put to just completely kill any reprint equity like in uh battle for zendikar which they did and then kaladash they did with arfax right so now amoket they're kind of grasping at straws and now it just seems like they're kind of out ideas so they're trying something new with uh the mythic uh masterpiece box whatever thing they
1: call it yields of Ravnica mythic edition is what it's called um okay i'm i'm i i think that those are like pretty pretty common questions like how people feel about masterpieces I didn't give you any information myself because, uh, I'm kind of like a collecting whore and I would, you're a like
0: thieving you. magpie of masterpieces.
1: You are correct. I enjoy masterpieces. I enjoy being able to purchase, uh, expensive versions cause they look cooler. Uh, I understand they're not for everyone, but I do miss that. They are not making new ones. Uh, my wallet does not. However, I will probably be buying or at least attempting to buy the guilds of Ramnica mythic edition because, uh, there's some sweet planes walker cards in there that I want to own. Um but so, so
2: just anecdotally real quick, sorry. Uh what would you do? Like would you buy a box and then I assume you would just have people over you'd actually like just do a draft with it once? Or would you keep it sealed? Or Yes. Are you talking
0: about Jim the- is in a specific situation that a lot of magic players are not in Ed. He has friends that are able to draft with him, and that's one of the hardest things for most magic players to
1: be able to do. Uh so with if i if i able to purchase a guilds of ravnica mythic edition i will probably do like a phantom draft with it with my friends and then um just keep the planeswalker cards separately I, I don't i don't plan on selling it although i don't uh fault anyone for buying it with the intentions of reselling it uh i just like to collect the special edition cards because i don't really need to buy whole lot of things anymore because i don't play standard i don't play like i don't play constructed formats where like i need to own four copies of you know a specific card in order to play i got i just kind of acquire things over time and my collection just grows in ways that are usually financially uh appropriate like i will go out of my way to purchase reprint cards more often than i will new cards because i can wait and i don't really have any need for them like I don't own a scarab God despite it being you know available for two years now but I'll probably buy one after the rotation or like maybe trade for one at the pre-release if someone wants like my mission briefing or whatever um, but that's just my 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 way of acquiring cards now leads me to points where like I have the the money and the want, a desire to own special difficult to get versions and uh, ordering box sets from Wizards of the Coasts, uh, Hasbro Toy Shops has so far been quite lucrative if I were to sell them, but I haven't. So I don't know if that matters one way or another. It's just cheaper than buying them from TCG Play or whatever afterwards or eBay after it comes out.
2: Would you be cashing out on the Planeswalkers you don't use, or do you actually plan on keeping all eight?
1: Um, I haven't decided yet. Uh, I will probably keep all eight for the foreseeable future unless I like need money to pay for something like most of my major life purchases have been completed at this point in time like I own a house and I'm paying for it and I have student loans, but they're not like debilitating. So I Probably wouldn't sell the ones that I don't play with immediately because I might play with them in the future there are some of them that are now in multiple sets, so I might get rid of like duplicates. But it also kind of feels bad to break up the sets because then I don't own all of, all of them of the same type. So I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I will probably sell any of the Ravnica rare, like the regular Guilds of Ravnica rares that I get out of the other booster packs that are worth anything in standard. Like if I om- open a. Uh, I don't know, what, what's expensive, Ra- like If I open either of the Planeswalkers that are also the Mythic ones, I will sell it. Like If I open a Ralzeric or a or a Vraska or uh, Assassin's Trophy, like I'm just going to sell those right away because I don't need them right now, and I'm sure I'll get them cheaper later.
0: All right, let's move on a little bit to a little more stuff that got spoiled today. Jim, do you want to talk about the new decks that were previewed on Wizard's site?
1: Uh, sure, so if you're not aware, uh, there's some new supplementary products coming out, I believe, November 2nd. Um, and It's the Guilds of Ravnica Guild Kits. They are five pre-constructed decks. I believe they have 60 cards. And, oh, hey, they posted the alternate art. That's cool. Um, there are 60-card decks that are all Ravnica guild-themed. They all come with um, one foil legendary creature on the box. They all have different art than they usually do. Uh, And then the the deck itself contains cards from the entirety of um, the entirety of the Ravnica sets. So it's stuff from Ravnica City of Guilds, Return of Ravnica, and uh, Guilds of Ravnica. So there's there are varying levels of awesomeness but i think all of them are definitely worth more than the twenty dollars msrp that they sell for uh one thing that i will note that is not always readily available is that the basic lands in this are the special guild edition ones that we've seen art for so like the uh is it deck has like a mountain that has like a laboratory with some like lightning bolts coming out of it and stuff like that and a lot of people are really excited for those i think it also has a guild watermark in the text box but there's actually some pretty reasonable reprints in all of these decks and there's actually a lot of cards from uh guilds of ravnica itself that you might have been interested in that is weird that are actually in these decks so uh the Demir deck like the standout cards are glimpse the unthinkable um and Mission Briefing is also in there, but it also has a, a large number of different legendary creatures that have existed. Um, I'm not sure how much Consuming Aberration is worth more. I think that's like still worth mentioning. But each deck has like a couple of reasonably priced um, rares that are pretty exciting to own. Uh, and I think they're pretty exciting decks to have. Like they look like they're pretty balanced against each other. They didn't really skimp on any of like the rares or mythics that you would expect like the golgari deck has a death Right shaman it has an abrupt decay uh it has all of the guild leaders in it um it has a stinkweed imp which is a couple of dollars it has dark blasts which are a couple of dollars it's a putrefy which is like a dollar the boros deck has boros uh or, sorry legion loyalist uh, aurelia the war leader uh, it has the Legion War Boss, which is pre-ordering for a couple of dollars. Uh, Swiftblade Vindicator, which is one of the better Boros cards in Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, I don't know. There's just like a lot of sweet stuff in these, and all of the decks come with one alternate art foil uh, legendary creature. So the blue-black one has a uh, an alternate art Etrada. The blue-red one has an alternate art Niv The green-black one has an alternate I- art Izoni. The red-white one is Aurelia, and the green-white one is the uh, Tristani Selesnya's Voice, which is the one from Return to Ravnica, the the first one. So, I don't know, they're they're really cool. They're really not that expensive. And I think that even just, like, the basic lands themselves could be, like, 50 cents to a dollar each. So these seem like pretty easy pickups if you're at all interested in any of the cards in them. Uh,
2: what was MSRP on them? I remember seeing them. Somewhere. I just don't, is it? It's 99? it's ni- nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of interesting because it feels like at that price range, um, like as a store, you can actually buy these. You can actually crack them out for singles. Like you said, like most of the rares. Like yes, there's a lot of reprints, right? Like a is getting reprinted. You have like a lot of like, I think Jeremy mentioned in our group chat earlier. Like what was it? Like glimpse unthinkable in the demir deck.
1: Yeah, the, the like most standout cards are Glimpsy, Unthinkable. Uh, there's Privileged Position in the Green White deck. Abrupt Decay. There's an Abrupt Decay, and Tristani is like the other big casual one that would have gone
0: crazy if we got into the Silesnia set, because Silesnia <laughs> is not in Guilds of Ravnica; it's in the second one. So like there would have been hype, and Tristani right. would have probably
1: gone up. No, Selesnya oh is yeah, in Cl- this
0: Convoke set. is in the set. Never mind.
1: Yeah, there's a new Tristani with different abilities that's in this. set. Right, uh, This but is the old Tristani. The old
0: Tristani is very powerful. Correct. And this is like mythic that a lot of people didn't realize was worth money. A lot of yeah. people for some reason thought that Rakdos from Return of Ravnica was worth money or Nic- or the uh, Nico Bolas from that set as well. But Tristani was the one that w- everyone was always sleeping on. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: there's there's definitely like enough cards in each deck that like there's some pretty, pretty reasonable things to to get out of it for as far as singles are concerned, like it doesn't take a lot like there's not like a like a slam dunk you know, like worm coil engine that's like easily the cost of the whole deck, but there's like a couple of eight five to $8 cards and then enough one to $2 cards that make up the rest of it that, that don't include like the new things.
0: One thing I'm very interested to see is where the price of this product is in the next six months. Not necessarily upon release when there's more hype for the Guilds of Ravnica cards in there, but when um, the the reprints are the only thing keeping um, the demands for this deck in check. Because if it has too many good reprints, then it'll get bought out right away. Like some of the commander decks used to be like Wade into Battle was Douglas Johnson's favorite one. Um, but you also have decks that have almost no good reprints like the Global Series, which I saw some vendors have for like $12, Jim. I know you were talking about that on Twitter, which is obscene. It's like it it could be either one, really. But like everyone has extra Global Series. They have dozens and dozens of Global Series. And I can't believe we're going to get another one of these. Uh, Are we because getting of how bad there? it sold. They will They'll be announcing the next one next year.
1: No, yeah, that's surprising. Hopefully, it's legal in uh, the U.S. this time. We'll we'll see. I mean that that would definitely help, but I think there's just like a different problem with the global series, which is that none of the cards in it were particularly interesting or impactful, and they probably printed too much of it. though i have to say if you want some sweet basic lands the basic lands out of the global series decks are really nice and really different
0: right oh let's get into our credit winner of the week jimbo what you got
1: uh so our credit winner this week is bruce gray uh bruce asks a question that i think a lot of people probably think about but uh maybe don't necessarily have the best way to to solve which is uh he says, can we talk about tokens? Are there tokens worth keeping? Are some worth money? What is the best way to leverage tokens to get the most value? Is there an easy way to bulk them out? Essentially, I have a box of tokens that I want to reduce the amount, of amount that I have in storage and get the biggest return. Um, I was hoping Doug was going to be on the cast tonight, but he had to go buy a collection and uh, leave us for you know, obvious reasons. But generally speaking... Um, there are some tokens that are worth money, but I wouldn't, I like, it's, unless you know what they are, it's, like, difficult to describe them in, in a certain group. I would say that um, the older the token is, the more likely it is to be worth money. And if it's a old um, oh, an emblem, emblems are, like, probably the safest things and the things you probably want to own. Uh, any emblem probably before Battle for Zendikar is worth a little bit of money.
2: Uh, to break this down a little bit further, uh, Yes, our token's worth keeping. Uh, there are actually some pretty valuable ones. Uh, most, The most notable one is the Voice of Zendikar uh, elemental token from Dragon's Maze. Uh, that did take a little bit of a hit because of Unstable and... Uh, Printing that token in uh, foil, like, in large quantities because it has the same art. Uh, that one was, there was a point when it was comically, like, the second most expensive card in uh, Dragon's Maze. Um, um, other than that, like, there's, like, that's kind of the obvious ones. Like Jim said, emblems are also kind of obvious. The more obscure ones are, like, the vampire from... In that is produced by Bloodline Keeper, I want to say like that one is a few dollars. Um, realistically, like in order for you to learn these, you like other than like just you know sending all your questions to Doug, you can tweet at him at uh, Rosa Thorns if you have any questions. Just send pictures of is this token worth money? I'm sure he'll love that. Um, but what like a way you can kind of cheat is if you go on Card Kingdom and you can actually you can actually filter by tokens. And you can see which tokens Cartinum will have some sort of bias on. As a general rule of thumb, um, because tokens do have a rarity, uh, the more common uh, the token is produced, the less likely it's gonna be worth money, mainly because naturally there'll just be more of them printed in packs. But like some of the more oddball ones would be ones that are only produced by a mythic creature. like for example, Eldritch Moon. There was the um, the XX zombie token that was produced by like I think it was produced by exactly one rare. Um, that one had a decent buyless value for some time. It's very very hard to get that one stock, mainly because you're opening up that card that particular token so infrequently um but again like you're like one one soldier token like that's just never gonna have a value your one one goblin token never gonna have a value because one they've just been overdone so many times because we keep seeing them in sets over and over again and um and like it's there there's there's, there's nothing rare about them and they're common within the sets that they were printed in um so safely i would say you can probably throw out like 98 percent of your tokens Um, and you probably won't lose that much. It's just a matter of kind of going through and digging out the ones that, like, you really don't see all that often.
0: I hate dealing with people that ask for tokens because they're either, like, do you have this one? And then we have to go digging forever. And, like, even in our binders that are, like, sorted by tokens, it's, like, never enough of, like... The two cent token that they wanted—it's just not worth my time, even as like a retail out to like stock that. So for people that don't even have a retail out, unless you're the size of someone like Card Kingdom, I don't know why you would bother, unless it's like the Warm Coil Token Engines or Warm Coil Engine Token.
1: Warm Coil Token Engines. Ooh, is that a new un- unstable card we don't know about?
0: Oh, just violated the, the NDA. Got to run. Yeah,
1: you're, you're on. You're on watch now. Yeah, I, I just to echo, yeah, everything that they said is correct. Um if it's a weird token, if it's to, to summarize, if it's an emblem, if it's a weird token, or if it's a token that's only made by one card, uh those are the ones that you should worry about. Uh are any of the ones from Women's stable worth anything? Like the foil ones?
0: not right now because there's a person that ed knows very well selling bulk opened unstable on all the facebook pages
1: okay uh the only other thing i'd say is like really obscure tokens that like aren't from booster packs are also worth noting like there's the double-faced foil zombie token from the eldritch moon pre-release packs and those are a couple of dollars despite just being regular choo-choo zombies so, yeah, I think that's that's that should summarize everything. Uh, you can also,
2: sorry, one thing you can keep an eye out for is the tokens that come with commander decks. Um, most of them are double-faced, and if you're just looking through like a stack at first glance, like you would just not even realize, like, oh, there's a double-faced one, so I'd probably like turn over and look at the back of them, see if there's any double-faced tokens, pull those out, uh, mainly because those are guaranteed value. You can't open them in booster packs, obviously, and uh, there's a lot of casual appeal because, you know, they serve as two different types of tokens um and usually like you can pick those up in like collections or something because people just jam all their tokens a box and just not realize that like if they came from commander products or whatever like they're actually a non-zero amount of money and they're reasonably to pick out without knowing anything because
1: they're double-sided obviously yep that is a good point so bruce uh send us an email at cartel aristocrats at gmail.com And I'll get you your $25 gift certificate for CoolStuffInc.com. And if any of you listening right now are wondering how to win next week, you need to leave a comment on the CoolStuffInc.com page when our uh, podcast goes up. It should go up on Wednesday, September 26th.
0: And if you're Bruce, you should stop trying to chase Nemo around the ocean because that's not very nice.
1: Was that a shark joke? Yes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I i don't know what to say to that that was that
1: was so disappointing,
2: but i I guess that's roughly on par with the course for you. What else do we want to talk about?
1: uh are you going to the free release? Of course you are. you're working aren't you?
0: At, so I'm actually getting the boxes at midnight and then going to a bar where the owner plays magic and he sold his collection to me like last year to buy a new patio for his bar and I'm getting away from the normal crowd and like just playing with people I like. No offense to like all my locals who actually listen to this cast. I just want to have. I was fun. gonna say
1: like, man, Jeremy, you just like took yeah, after you threw it at your house after every Tuesday
0: in. and Thursday when I'm at these different shops and the people that listen give me crap, you know?
1: Yeah, because uh, you deserve it. You just said you don't like them. You don't like. I crossbows. don't want to pre-release with them. There's a difference. Is there a difference?
0: Yeah, I'll play magic with them, but like getting, I can't say that we're getting drunk on beer. In like a private bar with pre-release kits it's much it's a much more fun environment than like a sober environment at the game shop
1: maybe you should open up
0: uh, a shop inside of the bar well that's what Moonbase market is
1: i don't know what that is i
0: get to be allegedly a drunk to in like two weeks oh okay yeah well you enjoy that then um oh i've got a good topic because i know you'll hate this uh old school prices are dipping back down it's oh like finally <laughs>
1: why nobody cares i, I was getting Except offers i insane. was getting
0: hilarious offers at at the uh seg baltimore some of the offers that i wrote down which i could not stop laughing about let's see if ed also thinks this is hilarious all right ready near mint island of walk, walk um card monster games offered $40 cash which is half of most of the, any competitors buy list um I was offered 15 whole dollars by alter reality games on a near mint unlimited soaring that we all agreed was near mint and that we all agreed I could go sell to star city for three times as much uh vendor confidence is very low on these cards so and I had a You're bunch sitting, of you better more. get out yeah I just had a lot of old school on me and none of the vendors wanted to touch it. And it wasn't like they were busy and like running out of cash. It was just like, they were very not interested in it. Well, so. I
1: can imagine that the, like the ability to sell that is pretty low.
0: Yeah, but it's near like, mint and they weren't even willing to like offer, like some of the vendors were offering like a third of the other competitors that were on site of buy lists, which wasn't even their retail price. Uh, cause like unlimited yeah. soaring is like a hundred dollars and like it's yeah, selling you for gotta, like
1: You gotta triple up to walk it across the hall.
0: <laughs> yeah. It sounds like an ed thing actually. Um, but players are running out of money and they're like, Oh, I made bad financial decisions over the summer because I thought the reserve hype would continue forever. And then they are like, all right, I'm going to sell some old school. So there's a ton of old school flooding Twitter and eBay right now. Uh there like library which sig pointed out and like the power is still going up obviously but there's not that much that's like continuing to go up besides like random people buying out like 40 cent arabian nights commons um
1: that's sustainable
0: yeah so that's about it uh old school is going to take a back seat towards the end of the year and we'll see what happens next year with it i don't think we'll even see remotely close to the same increase as this year
1: old school is ruined forever
0: yeah, I cash out of a lot of old school, uh, but we'll see what happens. And then duels are starting to go back up, but it's because of Legacy. Uh, Four-color Loam's getting super popular, so you're seeing Tyga and Scrubland go up in demand, and uh, Card Kingdom and Channel Fireball both raised a buy price on those two cards. To ac- didn't, that, to didn't that
1: deck that. just win this weekend?
0: Yeah, I was there. Um, so, yeah. gotta Gotta watch it. You can actually see me on part of the Twitch broadcast, but I wasn't wearing our, cult- our Cartel merch shirt that day. I was wearing Hawaiian they don't exist. shorts. I'm going to send a picture to you right after this cast, Jimbo. I think I've got I, it in my bag.
1: I'm sure I'm sure that you can send me a picture. It's not hard to Photoshop things. <laughs> Those um, are
0: so yeah, old school is pretty dead. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get into pick of the week?
1: Shit, I have to go pick a week.
0: <laughs> All right, Ed, what's your pick of the week? uh
2: um I currently like Azor's gateway it's a uh, rivals Zixon mythic um it's it's like teetering on the edge of competitiveness. we've seen it a few times in kind of like the uh was it like the most diehard like blue black control decks um a little bit earlier this year I think t- earlier towards when I want to say, like, when Dominaria came out, I think that was, like, before everyone discovered the mono-red deck was actually insane with Goblin Chain Whirler. Um, <clears throat> it's also, a, like, it has a pretty goofy effect. It Like, it's kind of a casual card. It's, like, it's like that weird, like, treading the line on where this card actually goes. Um, it's pretty cheap right now. It's unlikely that this card will ever be, like, a tournament staple, but if we do see it being played of as, like, a two or three in, like, you know whatever control deck is the flavor in like you know three weeks from now um it's possible this card can get up to like six seven dollars i do think this card will actually just slowly creep up um over time just because it it just it's big it's it has a goofy effect it loots it lets you gain life um <clears throat> so i think it's like kind of at the sweet spot um so i think like this is probably a good time to pick it up it's you're not gonna see huge gains if you do think like a control deck would be good i'd probably pick up a few copies now um as for Guild of ravnica i think uh i feel like vraska the Golgari queen planeswalker is pretty good it has to me it has kind of all the sweet makings of like a very powerful planeswalker the possibility is it's, it's something that will basically uh recuperate a card for you the turn it comes down uh, the minus ability is abrupt decay. It could basically deal with something, especially like if you're on the player, you're guaranteed to deal with whatever problematic permanent is across the table from you, um, right away. And then like, obviously like it's minus nine, we'll just add, it actually says win the game on it, but that's not a good way to judge it. But like at $13, it feels like it might be a little bit overpriced, but it's possible that this card kind of falls in trajectory with most planeswalkers where, uh, you're paying the Plainswalker tax if you want to pre-order it. It will probably dip down in a, in like two to three weeks. And then if it does, you play at the Pro Tour or there's something that just kind of pushes this card over the top, I do see it ending up higher than what it's pre-ordering at right now. Excuse me. Which is actually oddly enough kind of the same trajectory that um, Raska Relic Seeker from Exelon followed. It was one of those things where... People thought it was just overpriced for a six mana planeswalker it dipped down from what had pre-ordered that and then once four color energy kind of took over and people realized this card was insane this card kind of jumped back up uh i think it was like there was a point where it's like close to twenty dollars and then it's like uh the relics you guys like kind of crept down in price but i i it wouldn't surprise me if like uh raso Golgard queen was basically in that same boat so if you think if you do think it's good or you just want right now, I don't think it's a bad place to pre-order it. Uh, trying to buy a ton of them is a little bit risky. But uh, if you can afford to wait, I think give it two weeks and you could probably get this for like eight to ten dollars as opposed to like I think it's like at fifteen right now on Star City.
0: When you're waiting on gem to come up with a pick. And he's. Fr- you can see in his glasses him <laughs> frantically refreshing pages.
1: I'm not refreshing but any pages. If you're if
0: you're a live listener, you can see every website that Jim ever looks at because it's reflected in his glasses. And you know when he's watching the cast because you can see Ed's face on like this
1: on his screen. It's not yep. that. Yeah, this is not a good. Uh, Put play- like the lighting is not great for the reflection on my glasses. But uh, so. I think that coming out of this set, uh, one of the new best commanders is going to be Lazav the Multifarious. Uh, anyone who has not played against this deck yet, it's brutal. It's it's efficient. It's ruthless. It's the reason why Phyrexian Dreadnought is like twice as much as it was two weeks ago. And uh, honestly. I think it could be one of, like, the best blue-black commander decks ever. So what I'm th- what I'm looking for in that is, like, right now the card itself is, like, pre-ordering for, like, $6, and I don't think that that's necessarily going to go up, but all the cards that you can put into that style of deck I think is uh, very important to, to keep an eye out on. actually uh, agenda right now is on the downswing after spiking, and I'm not sure that it's going to stay... Lower than it is now. Uh, I'm not saying to purchase them specifically, but I would definitely keep an eye on it. There are some other cards that are particularly good with this uh, commander, and I would also look into those. So anything that has this is kind of like a general. Keep an eye on these cards: is cards that have a very low mana cost and very high power and toughness. Um, so and cards that have like bad coming to play effects, like leveler and uh eater of days and just like weird cards that normally are not played in decks because they have really bad enter the battlefield effects um those are the kinds of cards i'm looking at right now to see how people adjust to it you have some time because people that play commander are notoriously slow at buying cards uh but if you decide to build a deck list and want to test it out and you see man like i'm just killing everyone on turn five uh i'm not surprised so those Are the kinds of cards I'm looking at? I'm, I actually might even just buy myself a leveler and a eater of days after the end of this cast because I didn't actually realize how expensive Fraxian Dreadnought was. It's insane and on the reserve list, which doesn't surprise me.
0: Uh, wow, Jim picking a reserve list card, what is the world coming to?
1: Well, it turns out that uh, this card doesn't work with Death Shadow, which is the only other one mana like double digit power and toughness card the problem the problem is that uh, Lazav turns into a copy of it so he would just die so I called um
0: I called privilege position like a month ago before the spike and if you're still holding on I'm sorry but you should have like doubled up your money by now and gotten out uh, I think we can all agree on that um there's a card that is flat but it's starting to go up like one percent a day which is curious to me let's see if you can guess it it's from dominaria m13 from the vault and mirrodin yep so this card is starting to climb back up specifically the uh dominaria copy um you used to be able to find them for like 250 and i'm also looking at european arbitrage and that's another one that's starting to uh dry up a little bit week to week it's just something i would keep an eye on if we get some crazy deck in the new standard um this could easily be like a five to six dollar card obviously don't put your money into it at three dollars but this is just free money in the long run if it doesn't get hit with a million more reprints this year um So if you can find them in trade binders, I advocate getting them, but this is something that's proven itself in commander. And if it sees any semblance of standard play again, um, free money. And if not, then it was Jim's idea. So I'm locked in either way. We're completely good.
1: Are you the, I didn't, I didn't agree to that. Well,
0: besides me photoshopping the cartel merch, I'm going to Photoshop my pick of the week into you. So we're good.
1: Oh, okay. Yep. Well, at least I didn't make the real decision to make a bet with you on, like, somebody.
0: All right, Ed, are you shaving your head next week? No, because there's so hope. There is. All right, that's a month. Sorry, next week is when you're visiting. Yep. All right. Where can
2: people find you guys? Uh, I'm at EdWin13 on Twitter. Um, I will actually be in St. Louis with Jeremy next week.
1: And uh, Ristic studies. What? And Sam. Oh, Sam the Magic Man is going to Missouri.
0: Yeah,
1: flying him in. Well, that's very nice of you. Yep. Tell him I said hello. I will tell him you said hello.
2: Uh, I will be there. I want to say I get in on Friday at sometime in the afternoon. Jeremy's picking me up. I have no idea what plans are for the rest of the We're night. Cubing that night with Sam. Oh, sick. Yeah. Uh,
0: all the employees should have all the pricing stuff done. So we're just gonna go to a bar and cube, and then pass out, and then vend, and then I think I'm off to Korea on Sunday.
2: To check oh. my schedule. Okay, you can take me to the airport. Perfect. No, what? Oh, I'm not your <laughs> cab driver. I sure. Um. Regardless. Uh. Yeah. I will be there both Friday and Saturday. Uh. Sunday. I will be leaving for Japan. So I'll be in Nagoya, and then. What's after that? I'll be in Japan for like two weeks for on uh, vacation before coming back to Jim's wedding and GP New Jersey after that.
0: Jimmy Johns.
1: Were you asking? Find- were you <laughs> asking me to to say where you can find <laughs> me? because you could definitely not find me at a Jimmy Johns location.
0: <laughs> no, I've called you five different names on this cast so far. I'm waiting to see if you noticed. But I
1: you know it's it's part of like part of being me is that people have different nicknames for me. And I just kinda answer to anything that sounds remotely like Jim for the most part. But Jimmy Johns is particularly offensive, so I was not gonna answer to <laughs>
0: whatever that. you say, Jamboree, where can people find
2: you?
1: Wait, uh, what's, you can... what's wrong with Jimmy Johns? That's a not particularly great food establishment that I would not like to be associated with. Wait, what? Wait, what? what is there a story with this? What, what's wrong what, with Jimmy John's? It's it's. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just I don't like it. Do you like Subway? I don't particularly like sandwich shops in general.
2: Got okay, okay. That that I behind. That's fine. Okay. All right. Can uh, we-
1: my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore, and you can find me on Gathering Magic uh, usually every other week, but I'm going to probably be putting up another article this week or early next week for the Guild Kits.
0: I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. Ed and I are going to be working my event next week where I give away 40 dual Lands. All you have to do is show up and play a Legacy. We still have a couple spots left. Um... And then I'll be AFK until Jim's wedding. So not from the cast, just from like stuff. Uh, That's pretty much it. You can find our cast at cartel underscore finance on Twitter, on YouTube at cartel aristocrats, on iTunes, SoundCloud, MTG cast. And of course, with our sponsors, coolstuffinc.com under cartel aristocrats thanks for listening guys don't forget to tweet at doug at rose of thorns that he backed out of this cast again so uh yeah thumbs down thanks jim and we'll see you guys next week have a good one bye